next six hours we have together for this word. I bless, Lord, every person here. Would you remove veils and cause us to see you in truth? Remove every false thing we've ever been taught about you, that we would see you as you truly are and know your heart and your nature and relate to you accordingly. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, friends, I hope you've been enjoying our Finding freedom through the Ten Commandments. Who would have ever thought the Ten Commandments were all about freedom? How many of you growing up, when you looked at commandments, did not think freedom? I see those toes. Thank you, Steve. There are some people brave enough to raise their hands. How many of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said this morning? See those hands? So I just go for big toes. Raise your big toe if you consider commandments to not be related to freedom growing up. But the bottom line is, when you know the true nature of God and what He wants, then every command He gives is so that you can be closer to Him, so that you can be His friend. And so Carol has done an amazing job in the first two weeks introducing Freedom through the Ten Commandments. We've looked at the first two. We have the two tablets here. Moses' tablets were found, believe it or not. And uh, as we look at these, I don't know about you, but when I read the Ten Commandments, I really, as we've studied this, I have to admit, I had no clue what they were really saying. I thought something completely different. And one of the reasons we're doing this is because the Ten Commandments are there for God to reveal His name and nature to you. And so we had a look about the fact that God brings them all to Mount Sinai. And they're all gathered around Mount Sinai. God calls them all up to the mountain. Carol's introduced this really well. But I want you to see the foundation on which He gives these Ten Commandments, right? And God spoke these words. What did he say? I am the God who created you, and unless you do as I say, I shall smiteth thee until thou burnest and in painest criest out. No, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of and out of the house of. So in other words, God is saying, guys, I am the God of your freedom. I don't want you to be enslaved. I want you to be free. And so when I'm giving you these commands, what I'm truly doing is saying, if you walk in these, you will be more free internally, not just externally. Because I can bring you out of Egypt, but I don't just want to do that. I want to bring Egypt out of you. You can come out of being an atheist or an unbeliever and pray a prayer and become a Christian and you've come out of that life of sin and darkness. But you know, it's a whole new process to get that old nature of sin and darkness to get out of you. I don't know. Have any, have any of you noticed that? Big toes, please. We just were not made like Jesus the day you got saved. So although we glory carriers, Paul puts it like this. You... That body you sit in, that bum you've put on the seat, is an earthen vessel. It carries the greatest treasure you could imagine, but it's a broken vessel. And sometimes the broken vessel pulls us away from the glory that it's carrying. Any of you ever experienced that? And so God is saying this, guys, listen. 
These commands are to bring you into more freedom, not bondage. And in fact, not obeying my commands is what will bring you into true bondage. Because true bondage is not your external circumstances, it's the state of your internal heart. So, we've had the first two done. How many of you would like to look at number three? Oh, oh I see all those big toes. Thank you. So we're going to dive right in. What does God say about number three? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him or her guiltless. Ladies, you don't, you don't get out of it just because it says him. Who takes his name in vain. I don't know. I want you to think for a moment. What has this always meant to you growing up? I, I grew up in a home where this was quoted every time I said something that my father considered ungodly. Any of you? Oh, I see a few big toes. How dare you say that? You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Is it talking about Hollywood when they use God's name as a swear word in movies? I mean, how many of you thought that's really what it means? I see those big toes. Let me tell you a story. I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home with, uh, with a father. <laughs> All of you had fathers. And my father was quite religious and quite strong that we would all be Christians and every week we had to memorize a new verse and I was not happy with this and he demanded Christianity in an environment that was not relational, was not gracious, was quite legalistic and involved a fair amount of punishment. And so what do you think I thought of this Christianity? Not a whole lot. So although I, in his presence, pretended to be righteous, outside of his presence, I rebelled and I rebelled well. He required of me that I was part of the Student Christian Association in high school, so I wore my little SCA badge. Any of you remember those badges? Right? And uh, I would go to school with my badge, but I behaved in such a way, so much so that the head of the Student Christian Association came to me and said, please don't wear that badge. We responded by taking him and hanging him on his blazer in the hooks in the bathroom and putting our cigarettes out on his hand and said, don't you ever challenge us again. Christian. SCA badge. I was, I was not a cool person. I'll tell you another story that's maybe not as extreme. When Carol and I were passed in uh, our church in Rosebank, uh, we, made a, we made a call for ministry and Jabalani came up and I was praying for Jabalani and next to him was a man I didn't know and after praying for him he turned to the man next to him and said, Dumi, are you also a Christian? And Dumi looked at him and said, you too? Man, you're a Christian, we both here in church, yeah I've just moved churches to here and he said, well how long have you been a Christian? He said, for 10 years. They'd been working in the same department of the same company for the last eight years, and neither of them knew the other was a. Do you know that these two stories better represent what this command is talking about than cussing? When it says, do not take the Lord's name in vain, let me, let me ask you this. They fished all night, but it was in vain. What does that mean? They caught nothing. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. 
What does it mean? You're wasting your time. It's useless. So what it really means to take the Lord's name in vain is to say, I take the name of the Lord, and yet I don't treat it in such a way as to honor the power, the presence, the nature that comes with it. I consider his name empty. I consider it useless. So if we were going to rewrite this, you could study the Hebrew, you can look at the many different definitions, but I'd rather put it in the positive. What is God actually asking of us in this command? What is he asking? Because every command is not just thou shalt not. The command is this is what I really want of you. What does he really want of us? Honor my name and nature by behaving and speaking in ways that don't falsely represent me. Don't act in my name in ways that would make it seem worthless, empty, useless, or ineffective by diminishing the reverence, power, and authority of my name and nature. And why am I giving this to you as Israel? Because I have ordained you to be a type of the church. You are the first set apart people where my presence is going to dwell. And all of the nation and all of the world is going to look to you to see what I am like. And if you misrepresent me, they're going to think that the God of Israel is something that I'm not. Are you catching this? So God gives this command, and he says, guys, I want you to represent me fully, not just for your sake, but for the sake of the world. So I only have two points today, and I'm going to entitle this message, God's name and nature. And I want us to look at how do we honor God's name and nature? Well, firstly, we're going to look at how God defines his name and nature, because if you don't know how he defines his name and nature, how are you going to live up to it? Because I have to tell you, I was raised in a Christian home that misrepresented God's nature. How many of you have been in churches or families or environments that call themselves Christian or call themselves the church and yet misrepresented the true heart of God? How many of you are waiting for God to zap you with a lightning bolt next time you do something wrong? And once we understand that, then we know how to act to represent that name. Is that okay? So do I have your permission to dive into this? With or without your permission, I have the mic, so I'm going to do it anyway. Now last week, God introduced the name of God. Moses is there. He sees a burning bush, but the bush is not dying, unlike those plants. No one sat on it. And he's looking at this burning bush, and the burning bush starts to talk. He's checking, what meds did I take last night? Oh, meds haven't been invented yet. My gosh, what is going on here? And God speaks to him out of a burning bush. Now Moses has seen many gods. He grew up in Egypt where there were more gods than he could try and remember. Half his education was probably learning all the gods. So he looks at this and he says, so who are you? Which one are you? Are you the god of the burning bush? No, my name is Yahweh. I am that I am. Uh, strange name. Could you give me something a little more catchy? You know, I have to introduce you to other people. I mean... Now, in a Greek way of thinking, you would think that just means I am something. But in a Hebrew way of thinking, what that meant is I always have been, I always 
am with you now, and I always will be with you. It is a relational understanding where he's saying, I am here for you. I am always. I am always for you. I am always going to be there for you. And now I'm not going to go into Yahweh too much because Carol did, did that last week. But I do want us to understand that God's name is never separated like we do. If I, if I said to you, what's your name? Kaya, what's your name? Kaya, thank you. How many of you think that that represents his nature and identity? Hmm. Listen, I get called Andrew, Andy, Boyke, Troublemaker, Tiresome. Um, that's when I pun too much. You can call me what you like, just don't call me late for dinner. Our names are just labels. But God's name is his nature. God's name is his power. God's name is his presence. And I shall put my name upon you. What do you think that means? Do, do we need to call ourselves Yahweh going forward? I mean, what, what is it? No, the Hebrews understood that to carry the name of God meant to carry his presence, his power, his anointing, his nature, his personality, his character. So when you see every time throughout Scripture the name of God, you must understand that it's talking about God himself. Are you catching this? Now, when we talk about the name of God, those of you who have been Christians for quite a while or have done any kind of Bible school probably run to all the names of God, right? I mean, we have spent many times and many hours studying the names of God and what they mean. How many of you, your names went running to look at something that looks a little bit like this? No, not like that, like this. His names. Yahweh, El Elyon. Adonai, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Raha, Jehovah Rapha. How many of you went there? I see those big toes. We're not talking about the names of God. That's very, very different. He's not talking about in this command the names. Those are just ways he represents it. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm, I do DIY. Oh, are you the handyman? Oh, are you the pastor? These are names that can be applied to me in specific circumstances based on what I'm doing in that situation. It does not describe who I am in its entirety. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we're not looking at the names of God. We're looking at the name of God. And we must understand that he never separates his... Separates? Never separates. I encourage you never to separate either. It sounds painful. But there are, however, in Scripture, three defining moments, three defining revelations where God says, this is what my name represents. And the first one is indeed Yahweh in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. God expresses himself as Yahweh to Moses. And then Moses goes on, and in his interaction with God, God doesn't just say, I am. He tells Moses, okay, let me tell you who I am. Which God are you? I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
If you had to describe God, okay, let's give God a name. The omnipotent one, the creator of the universe, God almighty, the one who shall judge and smite the sinners and cast them into the lake of fire, the one who is awesome, the one who is to be feared and revered. Some people might go for that. God says, okay, I'll describe myself according to my buddies. I'm a relational God. I'm the God, Abraham was my best friend, man. Enoch, oh man, Enoch and I, we had such cool fun. I decided, I love Enoch so much that he, he only lived 800 years and I took him straight to heaven. I didn't even let him die. He describes himself according to his friends. He's a relational God. Now the second description is after the Israelites worshipped, broke the second commandment and made for themselves images of God and worshipped them and Moses broke the tablets. I, won't break. I was going to do a demonstration and break these, but I think Jerry would be very upset with me. So God calls him back up the mountain. And he goes back up the mountain. As he's going up, God speaks to Moses. And he says, Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, am the following. I am the compassionate and gracious God. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. I maintain love to thousands. I forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet I won't leave the guilty unpunished. I will punish the children for their sins and the sins of their parents, the third or fourth generation. So yes, there is punishment involved, but it's after a long time of me being very patient and loving and compassionate and gracious. How many of you love Psalm 103? How many of you have no idea what Psalm 103 says? <laughs> How many of you don't know where the Psalms are in your Bible? Because, you know, some of you are just... But if you don't, go read Psalm 103. It describes God so well. It starts with David saying, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Praise and bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. Goes through his benefits. Then he says, you made known your ways. What are your ways? That you, Lord, are a gracious and compassionate God. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to just picture this. If you have an understanding of God that is any different to this, you need to change it. Because God says this in Psalm 103. David reiterates it. It's said throughout different places. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Let that sink in. He will not always accuse, nor will his harbor his anger against us forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He doesn't repay us according to our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who are in Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed my sins from me. As a father has compassion on his children, so our Father has compassion on us. Because He knows how you were formed, because He made you and remembers that you just dust. I remind him of that often. Dad, remember, I'm just dust. <laughs> I did it again. 
How does that feel? If you have a picture of God that is anything different to that, you're worshiping the wrong God. Now, although that describes God very well, those were just introductions. The real God was about to manifest his name and nature through Jesus Christ. He was building up to this. He says, guys, I'm going to come down because some of you can't understand when I just say the words. I'm going to become a man and I'm going to show you. And I'm going to give you a description that you can understand of my name and my nature. And he gave us the name above all names in the form of Jesus. Matthew 1.23. You shall have a son and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The name is the presence. I, we could spend sermons on this. But friends, if you want to know the name and nature of Jesus and what it looks like to represent it, look at Jesus. If you say and do stuff that Jesus didn't say and do, we are misrepresenting that name and that nature. There were two churches in Jesus' time, the one he was starting, the church of Jesus, and the one that existed, the church of the Pharisees, the, the scabs and the parasites, uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. How many of you know there's still two churches today? Even the story of the prodigal. God loves all of us. But some of us become like the older brother who's always judgmental and always harsh and always legalistic. God still loves him. God still wants to redeem that church. God still wants to reveal himself through that church. And then there's the younger brother who went wayward and came back. And the true church is represented by the Father who loves all. So the religious, the, the parasites, rebuke Jesus because he didn't isolate himself and judge sinners. He hung out with those suckers. How dare you? How many of you, and I do want a show of hands, how many of you have friends who are not Christians? Shame on you. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Well, how are you supposed to save them? Come out from them and be separate means don't behave like them. But boy, you should hang out with them. Otherwise, you're not salt and light. And so the churches, they're just a big clump of salt. And they blame the meat for going rotten. Don't blame the meat. You blame the salt for not being there to preserve the meat. So Jesus represented God to us by hanging out with sinners, embracing prodigals. And then he did other things. Some of you might find it weird that when Andrew prays, he says, Dad. Well, Jesus prayed and said, Dad. And the Pharisees and the scabs, they were really, how dare you call God Dad? They would, Abba, is the term that was used for a child speaking to his father. Represents two things, intimacy and respect. Just because I call him dad doesn't mean I don't respect him. I became best friends with my dad, by the way. And when I called him dad, I still had respect for him. It wasn't like I was, hey dad, hey buddy. 
But he wants to be like an intimate dad to you. And Jesus said, I don't want to call you servants. I want to call you friends. And so Jesus represented this to us. And this is how we honor his name and his nature. I'm wrapping up with this. So, now, do you understand more about his name and nature now? Let me ask you a question then. I want you to think about this. I think that's the thinker. Yes. I think. What do you think is the most dishonoring to God? Rigid atheism or religious appearances? <laughs> Would you have answered that if I asked you before you got to church today? You're a Christian, you go to church, that's awesome. Yes, I am a, I'm a Christian, but you just called me a bad time. So sorry. Oh, hi, is that your wife? No, this is my, this is my secretary. <laughs> but I'll see you in church on Sunday. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, which I, I got up there says there are people who will act religious, they will have an appearance of godliness, but they will reject the power that makes them godly, stay away from them, and don't be like that. Professor Trueblood, <laughs> I don't know who he is, but I'm going to quote him anyway. He says, this commandment doesn't condemn those who fail to believe, it condemns those who believe and do nothing about it. What is really dangerous is not intellectual atheism, which is quite unpopular, but mild religion, which is probably the most popular in our day and age. The world is full of believers and full of Christians, and it's not changed. And you can be in a business where there's a bunch of Christians and not even know that they're Christians too. This is the third command. So... Jesus spent his time not rebuking the sinners, but rebuking the religious. And he said, you guys are supposed to represent my father. You guys are supposed to represent my kingdom and my heart. And you are doing it so wrong that I have nothing good to say about you. You are serpents. You are snakes. You are whitewashed tombstones. How would you like Jesus to call you one of those? So in other words, Jesus gets far more upset by people who pretend to be religious or are meant to represent him and yet do it in a way that is opposite to his nature and his name. Make sense? He's our only perfect example of how to honor God in word and deed. I mean, really, seriously. And when we talk about trying to live in his name and honor his name, Jesus is our perfect example. So there are a few things that Jesus represented. Firstly, his name is not just his nature, but it's his presence. If you carry his name, you carry his presence. Don't claim to have his name like these people when you don't carry his presence. Because the only way you can totally honor God is by his presence, power, and grace helping you. Amen? Now, I'm just giving you references because I just want to throw some of these things out so that you can understand it. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or more gather in my name, presence. Name, 
presence. Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are you baptized into a word or a person? The name is the person. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In other words, everything we do in His name is meant to be by His presence, by His power, by His grace. I have a wedding ring. Why? <laughs> so, men, let me give you this example. And, uh, and this plane's coming into land. Please put your seats in the upright position, seatbelts on, fold your table trays away. Let's say this represents me taking on the name of Jesus or the name of Carol, the name of a married man. Have you seen men carrying the name and then carrying on like they'd not? Or ladies, you've take, Carol's taken my name. She was a fissa. My second Afrikaans Baratni. But ladies and men, you've taken your husband's name. I've got the ring. But sometimes I behave in such a way that that ring doesn't exist. The name is not just I'm a Christian. But sometimes I'll behave like I want. The name is, his presence is always with me. Men, how differently would we behave if our wives were attached to us 24-7? <laughs> I see Chris over there going, nothing changed. <laughs> this is how we're supposed to see God. Do not quench the Holy Spirit who lives within you. I'm going, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do right now? Not Holy Spirit, could you just close your eyes? <laughs> no, please, just close. You, you can't close your eyes. <laughs> so this commandment has to do with understanding His presence is so much with us. That we are His ambassadors. And so as we go out into this world... What kind of impression are you giving to the world of being his ambassadors? To Timothy, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Ephesians, put off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires. Put on the new self, made to be like Christ Jesus. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Hmm. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. This is the third command. Are you catching this? I am a representative. I don't just carry the name. I don't just carry the presence, but I am the representative to this world. Like God wanted Israel to be, they didn't do a good job of it. There are churches, would you say the Crusades, although they were done in the name of the church, was done in the name of Jesus? Do you think God loves Muslims as much as he loves Christians? 
There's some people in this church who came out of Islam and are more on fire for Jesus than most Christians. So he gave us his name. And I want to close with this. How do you see his name when you pray a prayer and tag on the end, in the name of Jesus? Doesn't matter how much you say it, in the name of Jesus. Most of us see that as either a magical formula to make my prayer work, or to let people know the prayer is now finished. You see, you don't have to tag in the name of Jesus after your prayers. Can you understand from this that when I am in the name of Jesus, that I am in his presence, in his will, embracing his nature, embracing his desires. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, you now get me. You now understand the nature. Therefore, you may ask me anything because you're in my name now and it'll be done for you. And if you as someone who is not representing the desires, the nature, the heart of God, tag in the name of Jesus at the end of your prayer, you're wasting your breath. God smite that neighbor who plays his bass guitar at 12 in the name of Jesus. I'm going to encourage you to not tag the name of Jesus at the end of your prayers unless you are praying a prayer that comes from the very heart of God. You see, when we're saying the things that he's saying, when we're mirroring and echoing his voice, we have incredible authority. And then things come into alignment. And then we pray in your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't even have to say in the name of Jesus because I'm standing right there in his name. So as representatives and carriers of God's awesome name and nature, can we rise and dedicate ourselves and our lives to revealing this good God to this world in everything we do and say? You stand as we do this. Lord Jesus, your word says that God exalted you to the highest place. And we exalt you right now to the highest place in our lives. Your word says that you have been given the name that is above every other name. So we put your name above every other name. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we want to acknowledge that that's not just a name. We want to carry your presence. We want to carry your power. We want to carry your personality, your nature, your heart, your will. And any person here who has seen God any differently to this, Holy Spirit, fall upon them now and give them a taste of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is 
good. Taste. Take a taste right now. <laughs> we take a taste of your goodness, Dad. Your love, your goodness, your mercy, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. You don't treat me as my sins deserve. You don't judge sinners. You embrace them. You don't reject prodigals. You embrace them. I want to do the same. And we want to be a church, Lord, that welcomes sinners. We want to be a church, Lord, that opens our arms instead of pointing our fingers. And we want to be a church that as we, the church, leave the building, we go and represent you. I've heard of God, but this God you carry, man, there's something different about this one. I want that God because everyone wants a king like Jesus. And if you're here today and you have not given your life to this God and you have not said yes to this Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. I want us all to just pray this. Lord Jesus, name above all names. And today I turn my back on living my life. And I turn to face you and say I want to live with your presence. I take your name. And I want to live like you for the rest of my days. Amen. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. Give you his shalom, his peace, his nature, his name, his presence. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.